We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. is this is a true statement there are some people down the road here at the adult detention center they're in jail they're in prison but because they know christ they are more free than some of you sitting here because you can be sitting here outside of prison and still be a prisoner you can be a prisoner to lust you can be a prisoner to anger you can be a prisoner to fear you can be a prisoner of wanting everybody to like you and be tormented by that This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Psalms. Though we now live in a time which offers more freedom and flexibility than any before it, many remain prisoners. Things like depression, lust, anger, and loneliness have become the prisons which many are trapped in. Pastor Gary teaches us today that God and only God can free us from these things. With Him, we can overcome the subtle traps of the world. In Him, we can find our purpose and peace. If you feel trapped, ask Jesus to help you find the key, which will give the freedom which He promises us all. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in Psalms chapter 107 for part two of today's message titled, The Goodness and Love of God. Now, God knows everybody's heart and he heard the gospel, he knew the truth, and I, I pray that somewhere between that heart attack and when he hit the sidewalk that he accepted and received Christ as his Savior, and I hope I'll see him again in heaven one day. But that was his issue. I don't know that I can believe in a good and loving God. A lot of people like that in the world. They have a skewed view of God because life has thrown them a curveball or the world is so wicked and crazy it's hard to reconcile some of these things, isn't it? But don't let a good and loving God be disparaged because we live in a very bad and unloving world. In fact, that's the very reason why he sent Jesus to die on a cross for us, to rescue us from this wicked, fallen world. Now it's on us. Do we want to come into the cellar to be saved and to be rescued or not? Do we want to give our lives to Christ and to commit our lives to him? Because whatever goes on in the world, you see, doesn't change the character of God. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his love endures forever. 
And he's so good and he's so loving that he sent his son Jesus dying on a cross to rescue us from this godless, unloving world where we can put our faith and trust in him and be rescued. And sure, we're going to have to still endure a messy, chaotic, wicked world until such time that we go to be with him forever. But this lifetime is like a drop of water in the ocean of eternity. And the decisions you make now will affect how you spend eternity. God is good. And his love endures forever. And I say with great compassion to those of you who have experienced different things in life that have caused you to question the goodness and the love of God. I understand that sometimes life can get so messy and so unpredictable and things can happen that you are unprepared for and it might cause you to wonder and to question But I just want to encourage you to not allow the circumstances to define the character and nature of God. Understand who God is and and how he reveals himself. And that he has an ultimate plan and purpose for your life. So much so that he sent Christ to die for you. And then trust and believe that he's a good God and a loving God. Sometimes through unpredicted situations or our own misperception of God or even frankly the Bible says the lies of Satan will cause us to think incorrectly and improperly about who God is and who we are for that matter in relation to who God is. So give thanks to the Lord. Despite everything he is good and his love endures forever. And the psalmist, in order to illustrate the goodness and the love of God, is going to talk about four different groups or kinds of people in this chapter. And I think that you'll probably relate to one or more of these groups. And here are these four groups that the psalmist talks about who end up experiencing the goodness and the love of God through their own difficulties. The first group we're going to refer to as the wanderers. That's in verses 4 through 9. And then in verse uh, 10 through 16, you have a group that we're going to call the prisoners. And then thirdly, there's a group we're going to refer to as the foolish in verses 17 to 22. And finally, a group we're going to call the weary in verses 23 to 32. Now, I'll come back to this list if you're trying to take notes and you, you didn't jot all four down. But before we, we dive into these groups a little bit, I want you to notice four things that they all share in common. As we look through the text, you'll see with me that, first of all, they all are suffering from some kind of distress. Uh, all four groups have some kind of trouble going on in their lives. Secondly, they all cry out to God in their distress. So we see prayer here. And it's more than just, you know, conversation. There's, there's times that you've cried out to God, and then there's just times you have conversation prayer, right? You know the difference, right? It's the crying out, the just, you know, getting alone with God somewhere where you're not freaking other people out, like in your car alone maybe, and you're just like shrieking out to the Lord. That's the Hebrew word used here for crying. It's this cry of desperation. It's one of those moments when you're just so beside yourself that you're just shrieking out to the Lord, crying out to him. They all do that. And then thirdly, they're all delivered by God from their distress. And lastly, they all give thanks to God because of his deliverance. So we'll start with first group first, the wanderers. And I've had that song in my head all day long in preparation for this study. And if you're too young to know I'm just a wanderer, then you can go home and YouTube it. It's a great song by Dion from like the 60s or something. I don't know. 
Anyway, the wanderers. Look at verse 4 again. He says, Some wandered in desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. So notice that they're, they're wandering in desert wastelands. These are people who seem to lack a sense of purpose or value. It's a picture of hopelessness and aimlessness in desperate conditions. Now, all of us can go through desert experiences from time to time. There's been a wasteland or two that you will encounter in the course of your lifetime. But then there are some people who feel like they're just stuck there, that like they're living in a desert wasteland when life seems so unfruitful or unfair. And perhaps you're in a marriage that seems unfulfilling or you're in a job that is unrewarding. And you just kind of go through life, you know, going through the motions without the emotion. That's these people here. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. In other words, it's, they, they longed for something more. They longed to be satisfied, but they couldn't have their satisfaction quenched. And so their lives ebbed away. You see, kind of a, it's, it's almost like a slow death. It's just like, well, I'm going through the motions of life, but it just feels like a slow death. In fact, the Hebrew there it, it is, is rich in the language. It says they experienced dryness of soul. Dryness of soul. You ever felt like your soul was just dried up? Like you had no real joy in your life and, and things, especially in your relationship with God, seemed to be distant or dry? That's the description here of the wanderers. We've all seen movies of, you know, people in desert wastelands. You know, unless they get rescued, they're going to die of starvation or, or even before that, they'll die of thirst. And so, you know, in the movies, they portray people in deserts and, you know, they're crawling and, and then they have this illusion that they see water. It's just a mirage. And that's the picture here. It's just people who are so beside themselves and so desperate, so hopeless and, and helpless. Perhaps you felt like that. Perhaps even today you're here and you, and you say, that's kind of descriptive of me. But notice what they did, though, in verse 6. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men, for he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Isn't that a great verse? Look, there are some things that your soul can never be satisfied by other than the Lord. And there are times that we go on a quest to have the deepest longings of our souls quenched and satisfied. But friends, those, those kind of deep longings of our souls can only be quenched and satisfied by the Lord in knowing Him. And, and it, it pains me to see people who make terrible choices in their life on a quest to try to get their soulish needs quenched. Only to end up in addictions or bad relationships or things that have cost them dearly. And, and I would suggest to you that if you've been on this long journey trying to find some kind of satisfaction that always eludes you, turn to Christ and give your life to Jesus and watch how the Lord will meet the deepest longings of your soul. The wanderers cried out to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. Now that is the common thing for all four groups. They all cry out to God in their trouble and he delivers them from their distress. Friends, look, God is faithful to deliver us from our distress. I can't tell you how he will do that. I can't tell you when he will do that in your life. All I can tell you is that he will do that. And he will do that either by rescuing you from it 
or giving you the grace to go through it. You know, if you were here on Wednesday night, we talked about this a little bit from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, where Paul talks about how he had this thorn in the flesh, which is undefined in the passage. But he says, you know, I pleaded, three times I pleaded for God to take it away. And he says, but God replied to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For in your weakness, my power is made perfect. And sometimes God is gracious enough to take whatever that trouble is just away. And other times he says, I'm going to be with you and give you the strength and the grace that you need to get through it. Whichever way he tries helping us through our troubles, that's up to him. But nevertheless, God is the one who delivers us from our distress. And he will satisfy the thirsty and fill the hungry with good things. The second group that the psalmist talks about are the prisoners. From verses 10 to 16, in verse 10 he says, Some sat in darkness and deepest gloom, prisoners, suffering in iron chains. For they had rebelled against the words of God and despised the counsel of the Most High. So he subjected them to bitter labor. They stumbled, and there was no one to help. Look at some of these words that I underline in my Bible in that passage. Darkness, deepest gloom, prisoners, suffering, no one to help. Some of you have experienced those kinds of things. You have felt like you're in a dark place, a very gloomy place, and that there's no one who can help. Now, I don't think that he's speaking literally here of prisoners, like people who are stuck in a prison cell, although God meets you there too. But I think he's speaking more figuratively here, because all of us are prisoners to some respect. We are all, before we knew Christ for sure, captive to sin. So in that sense, we were prisoners of our sin, or maybe at times we're prisoners of suffering. That the deepest gloom and the, the dark places that can sometimes overshadow our lives can be even debilitating for some people, finding themselves in a very dark place. Jesus uses figurative language about setting the captives free in Luke chapter 4 when he unrolls the scroll from the prophet Isaiah and he reads Isaiah chapter 61. And Jesus says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. Freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to release the oppressed. And Jesus wasn't, you know, talking about only those who are physically blind, but he means also figuratively those who are spiritually blind. And he wasn't talking about those who are only literally oppressed, but also figuratively oppressed in our souls. He wasn't talking only about prisoners in a literal jail cell. He was talking about all of us who are prisoners to something. The fact of the matter is, this is a true statement. There are some people down the road here at the adult detention center. They're in jail. They're in prison. But because they know Christ, they are more free than some of you sitting here. Because you can be sitting here outside of prison... And still be a prisoner. You can be a prisoner to lust. You can be a prisoner to anger. You can be a prisoner to fear. You can be a prisoner of wanting everybody to like you. And be tormented by that. You can be a prisoner to all kinds of things. To addictions. To drugs. To all kinds of things. Well, part of what God came to do is to set the prisoner free. And when he speaks here about the prisoners and, the, and, and deepest gloom and suffering and darkness, it is a reminder to us 
that he is the one who sets the prisoner free. And that's why in verse 13 it says again, Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and the deepest gloom and broke away their chains. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. For he breaks down gates of bronze and cuts through bars of iron. God is the great bondage breaker. And whatever has you captive can be broken through the power and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. So let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And tell other people about the goodness and the love of God that endures forever. The third group he speaks of here are the foolish. The foolish are mentioned starting in verse 17. That's the word that he uses. He says, some became fools through their rebellious ways and suffered affliction because of their iniquities. Now, please note that. Why are they defined as fools? They are defined as fools because of their rebellious ways and their iniquities. In other words, they got themselves in the mess. And I'm sure we could all relate to that on some level. There's situations you've gotten yourself into, and you know you have no one and nothing else to blame but you. You can't blame other people. You can't blame the devil. The devil made me do it. The devil didn't make you do it. You did. And we can experience this kind of foolish behavior where we try to do life apart from God, rebel against him, deliberately sin against him, and then we suffer for it. Proverbs 13, 15 says the way of the transgressor is hard. We make it hard on ourselves when we are disobedient to God. And it's a foolish thing to do. Because when we walk in step with what God says, it goes better for us. When we disobey what God says, it goes worse for us. It's a very simple truth. I know I sound like Mr. Rogers, but it is true. <laughs> Again, those of you too young to know Mr. Rogers, go home and YouTube it. <laughs> I have a pastor friend in southern Georgia. I mean, he is a southern boy to the max. If you, if you cut him, he bleeds peaches. And I heard him one day talking about the love of God and the will of God. And they're two different things. And he says, he says, the love of God is like a teddy bear when it comes to his love. He's like a teddy bear. But when it comes to his will, he's like a grizzly bear. And he said this. He says, and when you dance with a grizzly bear, you better learn to let him lead. <laughs> God is like a grizzly bear when it comes to his will. His commandments are to be honored. We better learn to let him lead. We better follow what he says and do what he says that it would go well with us. But here's the beauty of this group of people here and God's response to this group. They caused their own situation. They're in the mess they're in because of their iniquities and their rebellion. And yet, they cry out to the Lord and God rescued them. Verse 19. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He sent forth his word and healed them. He rescued them from the grave. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. Let them sacrifice thank offerings and tell of his works with songs of joy. Consider this, friends. This is beautiful to, to contemplate that even when, listen to this, even when we get ourselves in a mess because of our own sin... When we cry out to God, he'll still rescue us. Time and time again. He doesn't just rescue the righteous. 
He rescues us when in our sinfulness we cry out to him. When we acknowledge, Lord, I've made a mess of my life. I've been a fool. I've done this and this and this. Help me, deliver me, rescue me. And God shows up. It's a wonderful example of his goodness and his love. The last group that he talks about here are the weary. They're in verse 23 to 32. In verse 23 it says, Others went out on the sea in ships. They were merchants on the mighty waters. Now note this, verse 24, They saw the works of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep. For he spoke and stirred up a tempest and lifted high the waves. They mounted up to the heavens and went down to the depths. In their peril, their courage melted away. They reeled and staggered like drunken men. They were at their wits' end. So this last illustration that he draws on, he likens it unto uh, sailors or, or merchants on the sea. And he says, this last group, they had an awareness of God. Because verse 24 says that they, they saw the works of the Lord. They had an awareness of God. But how many of you understand, sometimes the greatest distance is the 18 inches between your head and your heart. And you can have an awareness. You can have a, a working knowledge of who God is. But you don't necessarily know him until sometimes a storm comes along. And when the storm comes along, that's when we get to see ourselves and God. That's when we often cry out to him. So he describes here the weary because they're going through, I call them the weary because he's going, they're going through this storm. This storm that's going to bring them to a greater place of surrender and they're going to cry out to God. Now I, I was talking to one, one of our church elders is a retired uh, Navy Admiral and I was talking to him after the last service and he said, Gary, I've been in some storms at sea. And he says, let me tell you something, it can go for days and you can feel totally weary because you don't even get any sleep. The ship is rocking so drastically and you can't get your sea legs and people are throwing up and you still have to run the ship. And he said, it is one of the most wearying experiences. That's the picture here. They're staggering from weariness. They, they're like drunken sailors on the sea in a storm and they can't get their footing here. And they're so weary because of just the storms of life and it's hard and it's difficult but look what happens. They cried out to the Lord, verse 28, in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper, and the waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm, and he guided them to their desired haven. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. Let them exalt him in the assembly of the people and praise him in the council of the elders. Some of you just need the Lord to still your storm, don't you? You're in a place where that ship has been rocky for a long time. Cry out to the Lord in your trouble. And watch the Lord bring you out of your distress. Again, it may not always come as quickly as we want it. And it may not come the way that we think it's going to come. But God in his faithfulness will bring us out of our distress. Why? Because he is good and his love endures forever. And that's why the psalmist ends this whole chapter again in verse 43 by saying, Whoever is wise, let him heed these things and consider 
great love of the Lord. Amen. Each psalm we read is intended to point us to one thing, the sovereignty of our Creator. Through pain, tears, joy, and praise, we meet a new characteristic of God with each new chapter. Though we don't know the melodies that accompany this collection of old, we benefit from the deeply passionate and poetic words. We hope your soul has been touched by the teaching you heard today on Cornerstone Connection. Pastor Gary Hamrick will return soon with more from this Old Testament book. But in the meantime, you'll be able to find additional messages at cornerstoneconnection.cc. We'd like to encourage you to download our mobile app while you're there so you can stay connected to God's Word wherever you happen to be. Each day can be made brighter by the love and power of our Lord. And it's so convenient to have it right at your fingertips. If you live in or are visiting the Leesburg area, We'd love for you to come be a part of our weekly worship services on Sundays. Cornerstone Chapel meets at 8.30, 10, and 11.45 a.m. each week. Or try our Wednesday night Bible study at 7 p.m. For directions and more information, visit cornerstoneconnection.cc. That's all for today, but be sure to join us next time for another in-depth look at the Psalms right here on Cornerstone Connection. They say you're that you've got no place to go, but still you know, but still you know, you're not.